0: I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. Send me, Lord. I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Christmas story and civil disobedience and what that has to do with pro life ministry. Stay tuned for this episode. Send Send me, Lord. I felt your passion, touched your. Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. Um, we're going to talk a, a little bit about the Christmas story in this episode and some conversations that Vicki and I had had about some things that go on in the Christmas story and, you know, after the birth of Jesus and to do with the wise men. And we'll jump right into it in Matthew chapter 2. Many of you know, of course, the story of the birth of Jesus. We're, this is the day after Christmas. We're recording mm-hmm. this, and we celebrated the birth of Jesus. And we know the story about the wise men, and Matthew conveys that story here in Matthew chapter 2. And then we know the wise men, before they went to see Jesus, they saw King Herod. And King mm-hmm. Herod, um, in, a, in a crafty sort of way, told these guys, well, when you find the child, let me know so I too can come and worship him. That's what mm-hmm. he said. And, of course, we know what's behind his... His motive there is he wants to, to try to wipe out this this um person who may end up taking his throne. Yeah. Herod's one of those guys that doesn't want to let go of his authority and his and his uh position. And uh then we hear about this slaughter of the innocents, is that it's called. After, you know, Jesus was born and the wise man actually something I heard, by the way, just a little little rabbit trail, which was pretty interesting. I heard a preacher talking about um the wise men and their gifts mm-hmm. that they brought and there's a lot of explanation there of what these gifts meant the gold was uh the symbol of of a king you mm-hmm. know so Jesus was obviously is a king mm-hmm. uh the incense frankincense was um to represent his divinity right you burn incense to to oh. the divinity and okay. so that was what mm-hmm. that was to represent or priestly some people say because his his priestly nature and then the myrrh was for Death. You know they embalmed bodies or, or put myrrh as a spice. But this preacher said, "Yeah, those things can be true, and, and those things are obviously true aspects of who Jesus is." But he said, practically speaking, you have to wonder why these wise men brought these gifts to to a baby. Right? right. He's shivering yeah. in the cold. He doesn't need gold. He needs, <laughs> he needs <diapers>. a blanket. <laughs> he needs a blanket. And, <laughs> yeah. As one comedian said, a bowl of soup would have done well, other <laughs> right. than some frankincense. <laughs> um, but this preacher said. These were costly things. Obviously, gold yeah. is frankincense yeah. was very costly, and so was myrrh. Mm-hmm. What if, and I think it's true, um, this was ordained by God in order to fund the trip to Egypt that oh. you know Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus had to take. And that's what we're talking about here: is how um, they were under threat of of being killed mm. by King Herod. Jesus was, and so an angel revealed to Joseph, "Hey, this is going to happen. Flee to Egypt." And so they did, and yeah. you got to wonder how they, you know, he was a carpenter and didn't have a lot of money. He just had to go to, um, to back to his hometown, to, to Bethlehem, yeah. and that was pretty costly, I'm sure, of a trip. So right. how was he going to fund this? Well, the wise men. So that's a little little freebie for you guys that's as you're listening. That's not what this okay. podcast is about, but it's yeah. an interesting uh, thing to think about. God provides. Yeah, God does provide, in mm-hmm. that situation, he did. But why did Jesus and his family have to flee to Egypt?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It was because of Herod. hmm And Herod, here in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, and it says, When Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry and sent forth uh, to put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old, um, according to the time which had been determined by the wise men. So he said, All these children, because, again, this this person was uh, possibly going to depose him of his throne because this was supposed to be a king. And uh, rather than really wanting to worship the king, he wanted to kill the king. Yeah. Um, and so we're talking about, actually, our subject, strangely enough, is civil disobedience. Yeah. Because this story br- brings to mind, and if you look at, and, and a lot of pro-lifers throughout the years have, I've even heard uh, Flip, who mm-hmm. we had on some podcast ago and who we mm-hmm. interact with on a regular basis, um, talking about the, the devil and the demonic nature of the attack on children, yeah. on the attack, of course, the attack on the unborn. In this situation, it was two years and younger, mm-hmm. um, compared to this rage of Herod, and back in Egypt, back in Exodus chapter one, mm-hmm. um, the the rage of Pharaoh against yeah. the children of Israel and their babies who were ultimately thrown into the Nile. We'll, we'll talk. A, we'll go to that scripture in just a second. Yeah. Although it is strange, as I mentioned earlier. Um, that Jesus escapes to Egypt mm-hmm. <laughs> from Herod, and mm-hmm. then of course what happened in in the days when the children of Israel were in Egypt is they were to escape from Egypt and they were to be rescued from the um, the king of Egypt there yeah. but w- this is this is the king Herod, mm-hmm. who is given a civil order mm-hmm. who's given a, a decree. And I guess there's some debate over the level of power that he had could he do this cuz he was under Roman rule and he was sort of just a figurehead really mm-hmm. but he obviously had some power mm-hmm. to be able to to direct whatever was his palace guard or whatever to go and slaughter 2 years and younger I mean this this obviously was you know a traumatic event you know it's references back here in verse 18 Verse seventeen. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, "A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they were no more." So he's right. referencing back to this scripture that was prophesied about this event, and there, were, you know, this is one of those prophecies that had application then and has application, uh, you know, had application in Jeremiah's day and has application in, in Jesus' day. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously a traumatic event. This is people having their children ripped out of their arms, taken and, and slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, you imagine if you're a palace guard, do you obey this this decree? Do you ob- obey this governing authority? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Talking about some in, s- in some aspects what we deal with as sidewalk counselors because mm-hmm. we in Charlotte have dealt with a lot of <laughs> decrees, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, ordinances of man that we've had to— you know respectfully disobey and and yeah. do what we're called to do what we know that what is is within our rights to do and we'll mm-hmm. talk about some of that uh, as we as we go on yeah but biblically how do we think about that sort mm-hmm. of thing and how do we compare that to what we see in the bible right so yeah. let's jump back then to exodus and and i believe we'll we'll get a little deeper into this so exodus chapter 1 okay and if you're all right with going going yeah. there already,
1: yeah, let's go there.
0: And uh, and this is whenever the Egyptian king Pharaoh uh, began to see that the children of Israel were increasing in number, and uh, he commanded the Hebrew midwives, so mm-hmm. the midwives, so those who helped these these Hebrew women to b- deliver their children, mm-hmm. to kill the children mm-hmm. when they were born if they were male. They if were male they were children. male, which
1: is you know another parallel, it was yeah. the, the young boys yeah, the, the baby the boys, boys that, that, were, that were, be were being killed, killed. Yeah. yeah
0: because he didn't want he was afraid that these people were going to rise up and rebel against them they were outnumbering mm-hmm. the egyptians mm-hmm. and he was wondering how much longer can we keep them under our thumb mm-hmm. <laughs> without them rebelling right. and uh and so we need to nip this thing in the bud right. so to speak
1: yeah
0: yeah um so what's that scripture that you have there
1: in um in Exodus 1 yeah okay so Exodus 1 verse 15 is where it begins? Yeah. Did you, are you going to read it?
0: Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. It says, The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives of whom the name of one was, you'll have to pronounce that name, Shephara. Shifra. Yeah. Huh? I love these biblical Shifra names. Shifra and Pua. Pua. Those are great names. Mm-hmm. I've never heard someone name their child that, but <laughs> they were obviously wonderful people. Back then it was like <laughs> it was, Mary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it says, um, Okay, yeah, verse 16. And he said, uh, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. Mm -hmm. And if it is a daughter, she shall live. Verse 17, here comes your civil disobedience. And Mm -hmm. this was a decree from the highest level of government that you could get. In probably the entire region, maybe even in the entire world at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, Egypt was a very powerful, probably the most powerful nation at that time. But at least in Egypt, this was the most powerful voice, the most powerful um, entity that you could get a decree from. And here he goes, and he he decrees this thing. In verse 17, but the midwives feared God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a key right there. Mm -hmm. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively (laughs) and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mightily. This was because the the midwives feared God, and he provided households for them. And then it goes on in verse 22. So Pharaoh commanded that all his people so it commanded all his people saying every son who was born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive and then we have the story of moses and how moses mother hid him there's another civil mm-hmm. disobedience exactly. and she hid him until she could hide him no more or put him in the bulrushes ultimately she was or he was uh, adopted by pharaoh's daughter and and protected miraculously
1: right right, right. yeah so so it's a great story <laughs> um to illustrate the point yeah. of of an unjust law and um, and people's response to it, and then what what were the consequences? And so when when we were talking about this and trying to decide how to approach this topic, um, I did a little bit of research and I found um, what I thought were really good three guiding principles. This was from um, uh, FirstBaptistDallas.org. Yeah. Um, website, so three guiding principles of civil disobedience okay Fee- and three
0: b- guiding principles biblically
1: biblically b- yes yeah. yes yes this is this is from a biblical perspective from yeah. a gospel focused pers- perspective so and I thought they were good and and I think we can apply them to any of these stories that yeah. we read about civil disobedience yeah, and, 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 in and the strangely,
0: Bible. as we were thinking about this subject and talking about this subject as i 'm going through and i 'm thinking about you know, examples of civil disobedience in the scripture, you know, some come to mind immediately, and then some I didn't really think about. Right. Like, I didn't think about Daniel, the yeah. story of Daniel yeah. until you mentioned it. And I should have, because yeah. that's a common story in the story of Shadrach, yeah. Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. Um, so th- this is, I think, a very important topic that we talk about, and it has to do with pro-life ministry. Yes. Because we're not just talking about sidewalk counseling.
1: Right. but We're
0: talking about in other realms of pro-life ministry. I mean, we're living in an ever-increasing world that is is pro-death mm-hmm. <laughs> pro-abortion and not just like pro-abortion in some sort of a passive way like a, you know pro-choice so to speak where yeah. you can choose to be pro-life if you want but i'm going to be pro. no these people are actively like trying to silence pro-lifers uh actively you know i mentioned to you about in california laws that they had passed in california um basically saying that commanding that pro-life pregnancy centers have to refer for abortions, or at least point people in the direction right. of of people that provide abortions, yeah. which is like not just um, it, this is a cons- compelled speech. Like you're not just forced to um, to just be okay with an alternative perspective. We're forced to promote right. abortion, right? Which is which yeah. is insane.
1: Yeah, and doctors and nurses we had talked about um, earlier. Um, uh, being forced to perform abortions, or they'll lose their jobs, is yeah. another example. Yeah, of well, of like
0: in in universities and things, people who are training to be MDS have yeah. to, you know, are told that they have to perform abortions, or at least be right. part of a uh, of yeah. an abortion in order to yeah. to get their MD.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's not something that um, that you can just say. Well, you know, maybe that's okay for you, but not for me. They're they're being actively yeah. told to go against God's clear commandments yeah, and, and their, their, own their own conscience. conscience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so I'll go into those three guiding principles, yeah. and then um, then we can go from there. So the the first one, when you're thinking about civil disobedience, does it does the situation rise? To the um, the degree that I need to disobey right. a okay. higher authority, not God, not the highest authority right now we're talking about a, high, a governmental authority mm-hmm. so the first one is your disobedience based on clear biblical mandate okay um, and uh, and so d- you know does does what you are um Rising up against, violate something that God has clearly told you do not violate. Yeah. So, you know, an obvious example in the pro-life movement is thou shalt not murder. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, that's what an is abortion? an example
0: right here in this passage, too. Yeah. So these, these Hebrew midwives, it says that their motivation was they weren't just motivated to disobey Pharaoh because they didn't like him because he right. had a funny hat. Right. <laughs> or whatever because he yeah. was an Egyptian or whatever. No, it says they feared God. Yes. That was that was their chief thing here in the scripture that says that it was m- motivating them to disobey this 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 edict, yeah. this decree.
1: And to fear God, you must know God, and you must know what he says. And why I think that's important is because I can't tell you the number of times that I have, um, again, our work in front of this um, abortion center, where I will say, do you know what the Bible says about the unborn and the sacred nature of that unborn life? And so many of them will say, no, I don't know. So how can you fear and obey God if you don't even know what he says so it's implicit in that yeah. that these midwives they feared God so yeah. they knew God
0: yeah and they knew his word at least his command mm-hmm. thou shalt not murder now that right. command had not yet been given um it's given later on in the, in Exodus chapter 20 where mm-hmm. God writes the ten commandments on tablets of stone with his own finger right <clears throat> but this command is a universal thing like we know killing innocent people is wrong we know that universally yeah and these Hebrew midwives they knew that they feared God and uh and they disobeyed because of that that first principle does it right. violate a clear command of the Lord is what you're being told to do by a governing authority violate a clear command of the Lord
1: right and and that that guiding principle is based on acts 5:29 um which is Peter and the apostles answered we must obey God rather than men yeah so whatever, that that should be the first thing that we think when we're butting heads with a law, does this law in some way um, force me to disobey God? Yeah. And if so, that's a law that you may need to um, be disobedient towards. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... The second guiding principle of civil disobedience. If you ga- engage in civil disobedience, do so demonstrating respect for authority. Okay. Um, and so if you think of Daniel is a great example. Yeah, yeah. Throughout the book of Daniel, whenever Daniel um, engages with the king, who was, remember, this King Nebuchadnezzar, he was not a, a God follower, right? No, um, <laughs> no,
0: at, at least not initially.
1: <laughs> and so, um, but he deals with him with so much respect um, when he's commanded in, I, you know, I don't well, actually in, have the reference for no, when he's right commanded here. to eat the vegetables. The, okay, yeah, the, and that's or the, or the first couple food. of chapters.
0: Yeah, that's the first couple of chapters of uh, of Daniel, whenever they're brought from Jerusalem and they're brought into Nebuchadnezzar's house. Right. Um, yeah, that's the first chapter. And uh Daniel basically says, and, and there's some, some reasons why I think when Daniel, when the guy who oversees the, these, these young boys that wants to make them strong and tough and whatever, right. um, is going to feed them meat. And he says, no, uh, some people say, and I think I agree that this was meat sacrificed to idols. So it was going against God's law. Right. It was, uh, maybe pork <laughs> it right. probably was. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but either way, Daniel was saying, we can't eat this meat. It would defile defile us, mm-hmm. and so let's eat vegetables. And in that sense, Daniel was sort of sly about this thing. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like direct civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, well, we ain't going to do that. It was just like, well, let's eat vegetables for 10 days. And if things go well, then maybe
1: this is a good idea for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, so he's approaching it it gently and with respect as his first resort. His first resort is not, you know, I will not do this um, and, you know, pulls pulls out a knife or anything like that. He tries to basically offer a solution where he doesn't compromise in any way his beliefs, but, um, but he still... Presents very respectfully um, a counter to whatever this edict is. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so he does it. He does it like you said, very respectfully. Mm-hmm. And then going on just a couple of chapters um, past that in Daniel chapter three, we have the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, and you know they, even though they were pretty straightforward about this it seems that they were they were pretty respectful Mm -hmm. and uh it says here it says verse 16 of chapter 3 and this is after nebuchadnezzar had established this what 90 foot idol that people were supposed to when music played they were supposed to bow down and and worship this thing several
1: times a day whenever the trumpet sounded or whatever they were supposed to bow down to this idol and
0: -hmm. then of course they refused to because this violates a clear command of god this violates clearly what we've been told in God's word, you know, they have the first command, you should not worship an idol. I'm the Lord yeah. your God, you have no other gods before me. Second command is you should not make for yourself an idol. Mm-hmm. We can't do this. God mm-hmm. has commanded us not to. It would go against what God's commanded, it, it would go against our conscience. Mm-hmm. In verse 16, in chapter 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, "Old Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If there is, ju- if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, say so this is Nebuchadnezzar had threatened them if you don't bow down and you're going to be you're going to be killed thrown into a into the furnace um, our god whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O king but if not let it be known O king that we will not serve your gods nor will we worship the golden image of which you have set us uh, of what you have set up um so they're saying god can deliver us but even if he doesn't we're still not mm-hmm. going to worship you're mm-hmm. idle,
1: not and they're not calling them names. No. They're they're not making any threats. They're just saying this is a standard we will not violate. Yeah, and um and they do it with respect. Even look at the our our last passage um that we were talking about with the Hebrew midwives. They, you know, they're being ordered to murder babies, yeah. and it, honestly, it seems like they would be very justified in saying, "You filthy creep! Mm-hmm. What are you asking us to do? Have you no conscience?" But they don't. They answer gently yeah. and kindly, and um, um, and with respect.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's not easy. Let me. It just is tell you. <laughs> not easy,
1: especially when you look at. Um, uh, what you're facing, particularly with abortion, you're facing the murder, what we believe is the murder yeah, of, um, absolutely. of so many innocent little babies. And I think our fleshly impulse is to, um, to strike out at these vile um, people. Do, yeah. Doing this, what we, what this, this vile act, anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, I think even so, more, you know, more applicable is, you know, dealing with governing authorities that yeah. make up laws yeah. and that try to apply laws. I mean, yeah. we, we deal with some of that. We've had anything from signs that we use to show the truth about abortion and show the truth about a mom choosing life. Yeah. We've had those signs taken out of our, our volunteers' hands before. We're actually dealing with now a a federal lawsuit against the city of Charlotte. (laughs) So we have some experience in this realm where we've had, you know, laws, sound ordinances and and uh, picketing ordinances and these different things that we've never really had to worry about before because we know we're not lawbreakers and we we know what the law is. But they've been twisted and applied in certain ways where it's like, man, in order for us to do what God's called us to do, we have to disobey. Like we're, we're called to. You, if somebody wants literature, to give them literature, yeah. Um, that's part of you know our mode of ministry, it's part of our calling, yeah. And now we've been written citations for giving out literature to somebody who stops in the driveway and and asks for it, yeah. I mean, (laughs) in a sense,
1: we're being told, do not speak for up at this last ditch moment, do not speak, um, and offer what you know can save lives and point people to God. Um, but God commands us in Proverbs 31, 8 to 10, speak for those who cannot speak yeah, for yourself. Yeah. So that is an unjust law that directly violates God's commandment to us to speak. And um, and the methods by which we speak to these women um, is our information, mm-hmm. literally speaking, um, which they... The authorities have tried to shut down through the sound ordinance um, uh, and and our signs speaking with visual images. Yeah. So, um,
0: yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've said as we're talking about what we're dealing with personally, and I know what others, you know, I mentioned California and the law that had been passed. Now, thankfully, that's been struck down from what I understand, mm-hmm. where these pro-life pregnancy centers not only have to disclose that they don't do abortions, but they have to point people in the direction of abortions if they want abortions. Which is ridiculous,, right. but you know they had to push back against that, and you have to make the decision because they were facing if they were if they were not going to obey that, they were facing five hundred dollars per incident mm-hmm. initially when it was five hundred dollars for the first incident and then a thousand dollars for every incident after that mm-hmm. and it's like, well, can I obey this? Can I, in good conscience, obey not just not talking about pro life stuff but actually being compelled? to encourage people, or at least to point people in the direction of abortion. It's like, man, there's no way right. that I can honor God. So I think that's one of the things, is can I honor God and obey this? Mm-hmm. And if I'm told I can't speak against abortion, I have to. In mm-hmm. order to honor the Lord, I know the slaughter of the innocents <laughs> is right. happening in our city, right. like in Matthew chapter 2.
1: Yeah, I have
0: to speak out against yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, sort of out of this passage, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is they're not gi- just dealing with some, I don't know, s- some sort of benign thing, edict or whatever. But this is like a, a malicious and malignant thing where they're told they have to worship this 90-foot idol mm-hmm. in in the public square. Mm-hmm. And they respectfully, like I said, it's hard because, you know, even talking about this, I'm getting fired up. My blood's right. starting to boil because, like, right. man, we have a command from God. We have this thing called the Constitution in the yeah. United States to protect these rights, and yet yeah. we're still having to deal with this. Yeah. These guys, though, they didn't have a Constitution. They had God's Word, but they didn't have you know different courts and things like that they could appeal to. They couldn't file a federal lawsuit against Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, They had to face some pretty tough circumstances and they were willing to do it. And I think that's right. To your and next so that point, goes right? to the
1: third one of the guiding principles of um, civil disobedience and it's um a hard one, yeah. but it is critical that we be prepared to suffer the consequences. Yeah. Now, we know that in the end God will reward us, but there can be dire consequences to any act Of civil disobedience. So, um, be clear that the law that you are, um, regarding as unjust and that you are going to disobey is, is it truly a, a law that forces you to compromise? It's a moral law or an immoral law that causes you to compromise your, um, Ability to honor and glorify God. Yeah, and if it is, yeah, I think you have no choice but to um, to fight that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, well, let's go into uh, Daniel chapter six, I believe it is. Yeah, Daniel chapter six, and okay. this is another story. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all know my name's Daniel, so Daniel is. So
1: that's your favorite that's, book, that's my right?
0: Favorite. <laughs> it's not actually my favorite book in the Bible, though. But it's one of my favorite. Yes. Um, and in the story of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, when I tell people in my name and they're like, "How I need to remember that. So it's easy. Daniel in the lion's <laughs> den. Just remember the guy in the lion's den. <laughs> right. And, of course, the, the st- story of Daniel in the lion's den begins with an unrighteous edict mm-hmm. from King Darius in mm-hmm. this situation mm-hmm. where these men, apparently um, some of the council of Darius were jealous of Daniel because he was favored by the king, and they convinced him to make up this this new law that you can't pray for a certain amount of time. I think it was 30 days or something like that to any other deity um, or any other God or any other entity except for the king. And, um, and when this was passed, here's what it says in Daniel chapter six and verse eight. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so this law was passed, you know, it was signed. He went home and in his upper room with his window open toward Jerusalem. So he didn't do it in silence. He didn't do it behind closed doors. He opened his window toward Jerusalem. So, and as with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So mm-hmm. Daniel apparently did this all the time. This is his custom. This is what he did. Never had a problem until they passed this law. And rather than saying, well, maybe I should obey this thing, maybe I should go and hide and, and pray in secret. I mean, the Bible says you should pray in secret. That's what Jesus said, so I can justify it by just closing Just step
1: yeah. out of your custom, because obviously they're going to be, they know your custom, they're going to be yeah. looking for you. <laughs> yeah. You are setting yourself up for failure here, Daniel. Yeah,
0: Daniel, what yeah. are you doing here, don't you yeah. know? You should obey the governing authorities. And yet he goes with his window open. Now, Right then, by believe the way, at right it right after that, oh, right? Yeah, right yeah. after they said it, he so goes it throws says, open the window. <laughs> I mean it says now when he knew when Daniel knew, so he knew this thing, so it's like here's the here's the cause and effect. So he right. found out this thing, so he went right home and prayed. Now, I don't think it was Daniel's uh motive at all, because you look at this guy, he was just a humble man, love God. Um, that he was doing this for show. Right. I mean open his window for show. No, it was his customs. This what he always did, what he did. Right. right. This is yeah, he prayed. And he prayed toward Jerusalem three times a day. Yeah. So he kept doing what he had done. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, he's apprehended, and he's thrown into the lion's den. And, you know, by God's grace, he was saved. Mm-hmm. But he knew, full well knew, that he could be eaten by the lions. Yeah. And, uh, and yet he still did this act of civil disobedience. Right,
1: right and he he suffered the consequences and in this case as in the case with the hebrew midwives god stepped in and saved him yeah um it's same with
0: shadrach meshach and abednego god stepped in and rescued him from the from the fiery furnace
1: right but he doesn't always no you know he he doesn't always and i think we have to be prepared for the fact that we may suffer um and you know jesus is a a perfect example of that he yeah. he did not answer um Herod was it Herod that was questioning him and he Pilate. was and Pilate and he was just silent and he could have rescued himself there but he would not answer yeah the only um, answer they unjust Pilate, accusations yeah
0: Pilate was like uh, don't you know I have the power to set you free and he says right. you have no power except that which is given to you basically you're under yeah. God's authority right ultimately man put yourself in check yeah (laughs) and you know what
1: honestly that is a great guiding principle as well as well that statement by jesus you would have no power unless it was given to you by god and so you know when we go forth if we keep that in our heart and mind we remember that um we serve um the god of all power yeah and and it is to him that's
0: that's, that brings me to some of the passages that we were talking about that are sort of difficult, so we okay, have passages. And there, there are some. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had passages. We talked about the civil civil disobedience passages. Uh, some of those, at least, and you know how God honored those people. And I believe no matter what, listen. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been consumed in the fiery furnace, still God would have honored them in eternity, right? But God honored them in that case by saving them. The Hebrew midwives in the same, and and Daniel in the same. Even if, but their motive was not that God's going to rescue me. Their motive right. was, I'm going to honor God. No matter what. God honored them. No
1: matter what. Exactly. But we have
0: here in Romans chapter 13, this is where my mind always goes when I'm thinking about governing authorities and right. dealing with the government and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I'll kind of give, well, let's just read the passage okay. here. In Romans 13 verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God and the authorities that, that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake... Uh, for because of this, you will pay taxes. Um, you also you also pay taxes for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing, uh, render taxes. So basically, he's talking about taxes. I don't think that's the only context here where he's talking mm-hmm. about taxes. I think it's the primary context where he's talking about taxes. And so some Christians might ask the question, Do I need to pay my taxes? Right. And yeah, you do. Yeah. And Jesus even said that. Yeah, give to Caesar those, right. those that are Caesars, and right. to God this thing. Yeah, but how how do we how do we view this this passage in light of what we're talking about? Because we're looking at Old Testament examples, and we mentioned, and we'll mention again, probably we need to read those pe- passages in Romans, or Acts, sorry, um, about these apostles who disobeyed. And so they had some commands from mm-hmm. governing authorities, and yet this passage is telling us mm-hmm. that we need to obey those governing authorities. Yeah. Uh, let, let me jump on to the... Um, First Peter passage, right? Um, because I think it ties in. It's pretty much the same theme as what exactly. Paul's given in Romans. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it says, and you know, this for is all first, those who are first listening, First Peter, what? First Peter chapter two. Okay. And you know, I'm a context guy. I don't like to just read a passage out of its context, but I won't read the greater context of this passage because I think it's pretty obvious. But for those who want to, just read First Peter. It's very short. You'll get mm-hmm. the context of what Peter's talking about mm-hmm. here. Um, but I'll jump into verse 13. It says, Therefore, um, and you know when there's a therefore, you should look back and see what it's there for. So I encourage right. you to, to look right. at the context of this. But therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for God's sake, rather to the king as supreme or to governors, as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice but as bondservants of the Lord honor all people love the brotherhood fear God honor the king. Mm-hmm. And so again here's here's a context where we're dealing with obedience to government. You know, mm-hmm. Paul says submit yourself to every ordinance of man. Peter says submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about ordinances, right? We're yeah. we're dealing with what we believe to be some unjust ordinances here in Charlotte and you know, looking around, you know, there's some unjust ordinances, some things that cause you know pro-life ministries to have issues. Well, not just I mean, you know, even not the just ordinances. Pro-life.
1: Let's just look at abortion. Yeah, <laughs> abortion in and of itself is allowed by yeah. law yeah. in our country. Yeah,
0: yeah. Some say it's the it's the law of the land. You know, right. Roe which, v. Wade. Right. But yeah. by the way, Roe v. Wade is not a law. Uh, right. The courts, because of the Constitution, mm-hmm. <laughs> are not to make laws. Um, but they have in some senses, which is horrible. Right. Uh, that could be a podcast for another day. Yes. though, Because that yes. would be a long one to go through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we look at these ordinances of man and we look at some of the hindrances that they caused us personally. Um, and we're like, we have to do what we, you know, let's go back to the to Acts. And this is what they said in the book of Acts. Okay. Um, they were told by the governing authorities in Acts chapter 4, I believe it is. And, you know, they were preaching in the name of Jesus. They were healing right. people in the name right. of Jesus. Yeah. And ultimately the Pharisees, who were rulers, they were in charge mm-hmm. in some ways. Now, they weren't in complete charge because Romans, the Romans ruled Jerusalem and and uh, the whole area of Israel there. But they at least had some authority, and they at least you know, re- religious and, um, you know, secular, well, I do not say secular, but governmental authorities. And it says uh, in verse 13 of Acts chapter 4, now and they, it's the Pharisees or the, the 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 Sanhedrin, so the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and, and the other rulers there in Jerusalem, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So they recognized this thing about them, that had mm-hmm. been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But it basically what happens is they um, take these guys into their authority, into their custody, and they beat them, actually. Yeah. Um, for healing a man. Yeah, for healing a man. And uh, and it says, and this is them conversing with themselves, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that they, na- that they uh, now that they speak in the name of Jesus no more. So they're they're not supposed to speak in Jesus' name. So they called them and commanded them that they should not speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But Peter and John, and this is the same Peter that wrote 1 Peter, okay, so there's some context here and there's some, there's things that we need to reconcile in our understanding here, which we'll talk about. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Verse 20, I love this passage. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And so when they had further threatened them, um, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. And so this man's healed. God's glorified. The gospel's preached. These guys are are ticked off. So they arrest Peter and John, and they threaten them. I said they beat them, but they didn't in this passage. I think later on they actually do. Okay. Um, And then, they threaten them. Tell them can't speak no no more speaking in the name of Jesus. No more preaching this gospel about this Jesus. Okay, we don't want to hear this stuff anymore (laughs) Mm because we're gonna we're gonna put you to death. Whatever they threaten them with. Yeah. And Peter and John's response is: You judge for yourself whether it's right for us to listen to you Mm -hmm. or to God.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: For us, we're gonna listen to God. Yeah. We can't help it. He's basically saying we can't help it. We can't help but speak the things which we have seen and which we have heard. Right. He's talking about the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the miracles that Jesus had performed, this majesty of this glorious Savior. We, we can't keep our mouths shut about this thing. It's not just yeah. that we don't want to. It's like we mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. We can't help. We have to speak this, this truth about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And in the same way with us and the application that we're dealing with here in Charlotte, I mean, we have been struck course with the majesty of jesus and we can't help but preach the gospel but also we've been you know dealt with by the holy spirit for what's happening in our city the fact that little baby boys and little baby girls are being murdered just minutes away from our churches from our homes it's like we have to speak against this thing we have and we've seen the effect of speaking against this we've seen moms choose life we just had the day after christmas (laughs) today we just had a mom who had had an abortion right. broken yeah, and was coming actually to the abortion clinic again, actually hoping yeah. that we would be there. Right. And thankfully by God's grace, we were right. And we shared the truth with her. She chose life for that baby and she's getting ministered to from her previous abortion. Yeah, And like, man, we've seen the result of this thing. We know what God can do. We must speak this truth yeah. to withhold. This truth would be a crime against God and against these women.
1: Yeah. Ultimately you'll be held account. By someone, to yeah, account. Yeah. Will it be held to account by God for what you have done or haven't done, or will it be held to account by, um, you know, some civic authority, civil yeah. authority for what you have done or or not done? And certainly um, my, my preference is that my heart would long to be held to account by God and to have done what he has commanded us yeah. to do.
0: Well, know one of the things, and you know, we're not we're not going to be able to get into the 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 depth of Romans chapter thirteen and and all the back and forth arguments about that. Maybe we will at some future podcast. Maybe have someone on who's smarter than us about this stuff. But one of the things I will say is that in Romans and in Peter, what Peter's talking about, you're dealing with you know a literal empire, a monarchy, where mm-hmm. you have the highest level of government is the emperor is the Roman emperor, and yeah. that's what you're dealing with in that context. In the context that we're dealing with here in the United States of America, you know what the highest level of government is in this country?
1: The highest level yeah, of government. Yeah, the highest authority in this country. In our country, uh, well, yes, I would assume it's Congress, President, no?
0: No, actually Supreme no. Supreme Court? <laughs> not a, not going <laughs> to happen. No, the Constitution.
1: Oh, of course. Okay. The, the Constitution yes. Yes. is what yes. gives
0: these—it's it's what lays out these different areas of government. These yes. three branches of government are all—they wouldn't exist if it weren't for the Constitution.
1: Now, it's true that not necessarily everyone in government is going to abide or agree with that. They're writing, well, kind of rewriting their own little Constitution. Exactly, and that's the, that's the yes. issue. Yeah.
0: So the highest level of government that we have to obey in this country is the Constitution. Right. And when there are things that are very plain in the Constitution— like the freedom of speech shall not be infringed upon. I mean, come on, you can't get more clear than that. And yet these, there are government entities that try to circumvent or usurp, um, the authority that the constitution has in this country. And that creates a lot of problems. Yeah. And so, so one of the, the appeals that I make, you know, if I'm going to give out a a, a pamphlet to a mom, that's going into an abortion clinic and I'm threatened with a citation for stepping into the driveway or for stepping around a police barricade or whatever. And that's, you know, we, all these weird threats. and One of our guys got jaywalking a couple of weeks ago for walking across the street and giving literature. It's like this Not is ridiculous. In a crosswalk and there's yeah, there's no crosswalk. No there's no crosswalk within a mile and a half. <laughs> right. It's funny, but it stinks because we have to get to court over this. We yeah. have to fight this. We have to get yeah. a lawyer and all this. It's yeah. ridiculous, right? Um, but it's like I have to do that. I, I, if if I know it can save a baby's life, and also I know according to the Constitution I have a right to speak or. Giving literature is speech to give literature to somebody that asks for it. Yeah. Right. So I, 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 yeah. I'm not violating my conscience. I'm honoring God first and foremost, but I'm also I'm not violating the law of the land because it's the Constitution. Yeah.
1: And Although there are certainly constitutional um, por- portions of the Constitution, such as slavery, that that um, I do think violate um, God's yeah uh, commands. And so there are times when the highest law of the land. Is immoral, yeah, and, oh, and is unjust, mm-hmm. and then uh, the, you know, then God is though supreme, yeah, uh, above it all. One of the things I would have a hard time with the the Romans thirteen finding like a hole mm-hmm. to be able to say okay, you can um, you can kind of disregard that, but in the was it in the First Peter First mm-hmm. Peter yeah. passage it says fear First Peter God two. right yeah. in in fear there God, it said, the in king. the list of things was fear God. And so in the list of who you're to honor and obey, God is clearly mentioned, fear God. And of course, throughout the Bible, God's word is supreme. Yeah. So when he's in the list, and you you can then kind of pick, well, which one am I going to honor? And and, and if, if the laws of men contradict the laws of God I think you could make an argument in that passage well fear God is is the most important yeah so I don't know if that's true in the Romans 13 one I didn't really pick up any yeah
0: like I said uh, it's impossible for us to dig into the the meat of that but I will say just practically you know the apostle uh Peter is not contradicting himself when, whereas before he disobeyed and he did it respectfully the governing right. authorities right. and said, We yep. can't we have to speak in the name of Jesus. Even they were they were told not to. Yeah. Um and Paul, of course, himself, knowing that in many scenarios he could be arrested and, and it was you know, he was told actually in, in Acts later on. The governing authorities in Jerusalem didn't like Paul so much either. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if he was directly told. I don't recall him being directly told, don't speak in the name of Jesus. But he was arrested and ultimately right. given over to the Romans yeah. for what seems to be an act of civil disobedience. So mm-hmm. there's, there's some context that I think can easily be reconciled. Again, we're not going to be able to do it uh, right here, right now. Um, yeah. that, that lets us know that there are acts of civil disobedience. And we see that, of course, in the passages we read in, in Daniel and in uh, Exodus, mm-hmm. that there are times when in order to honor God, you have to disobey governing authorities. Yeah, yeah. But it does create, I don't know if that's where you're going, it does create some, some questions
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, about, well, how far do you take that?
1: It does. It does. And I, th- I think it's really important, something that I was— thinking about as as I was researching this subject was in all the examples of civil disobedience from an individual who loved the Lord in the Bible do I ever see an example um, where violence was used yeah and I don't I can't recall and in fact I think Jesus's example is clear that um, we don't respond with violence when yeah. he's arrested unjustly arrested for crimes he never committed yeah in the garden of gethsemane and um and one of his disciples cuts off the ear of one yeah, of the yeah it was the exactly soldiers. the opposite right <laughs> he, yeah he didn't yeah, he they, didn't grab
0: a sword with peter he right, actually heals the guy's he the ear he
1: heals the ear and um and so i don't think of the things that were called um not to do in being civilly disobedient, I don't think we're called to violence. Yeah. Um, I I don't see that biblically. Yeah,
0: I don't either. And, of course, that's where folks' mind will go. If you can just violate laws, well, then what's holding you back from violating whatever, any law?
1: Yeah.
0: What's holding us back? If you violate a law that you see as unjust— number one is you don't just do it willy-nilly, right? You don't just right. do it off the cuff and just disregard the law. You've considered the law. You've thought about what this thing might, you know, the, the, for, what the consequences might be, but also the context of this law and, and how it contradicts the word of God and, and the convictions of your heart. Um, so you don't just do it right off the cuff willy-nilly. It's something that you— you have well. You thought it through. Yeah, you know? and
1: you know, as I'm thinking through these three principles, and the middle one of of respect, you know, just again from our example on the sidewalk, not that we're a perfect example no, by any means, that <laughs> <laughs> but but um, whenever there has been something proposed by the officers out there um, as the law that, that they're, you know, um, at least the law of the day. Um, we, I think pretty uniformly respectfully approach them and respectfully challenge. Well, can you show us that? Yeah. Um, we asked for, you know, show us, show yeah, us show where, where, that where law it is. says yeah. that. What, and, um, um, and, and, and then, um, we have often used, I think, creative ways to abide by the law but still be able to um, do what we know we're called to do. Yeah. So, you know, an, an example on in our situation is we're not allowed to cross a police barricade to hand out literature to yeah. women pulling in, even if they roll down their window and reach for it. So, we're using grabbers now. Yeah. And, and, we, reach, and a baby. grandma used
0: the reach on the top. That's shelf right. And a,
1: a, well, I think a week ago, a baby was literally the mom took the literature from the grabber and, and, and read the literature and drove out of that place and chose life for her baby. So, I think whenever possible, you certainly want to work within the confines of the yeah, law. But yeah. that is not always possible. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's not always possible. But. You know, God gives wisdom. God gives mm-hmm. us grace. The the, the the chief principle here is we have to seek to honor God. We have to fear the Lord. Yeah. And as, if we would fear God, then God can give us wisdom in these mm-hmm. situations. And if we have to file, file a lawsuit, and that's part of the law of the land in this country, yeah. the way the yeah. Constitution is set up, we can actually sue the government for infringing on our rights. And You know, we're doing that. So yeah. if those who are listening, please pray for us. This, yeah. this lawsuit would... would uh, would be victorious, and the city would stop trying to hinder um, what we're doing. Yeah. Um, But we have to honor the Lord. But we have to also understand there are sometimes consequences. Sometimes you're going to get thrown in the fiery furnace or in the Mm -hmm. lion's den. God Mm -hmm. doesn't always rescue you. You know, Jesus, uh, ultimately, it's a different scenario because he was was destined to to die. But the apostles, they were beaten. They were thrown in prison. Peter was actually later on in Acts, I think it was chapter 5, where he was thrown in prison. Yeah. And he suffered.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think it's maybe the greatest test of faith that I have ever had in my life is how much do you trust God? Yeah. Do you know what God says? Are you doing it? And if you're going to bear some harsh and difficult consequences as a result, will you still obey God? Yeah. And um, and if if you do it's because you believe god yeah. you believe he's there you re- you believe he eternally um rewards those who who obey and follow and love him and you trust that no matter what happens he is in control and it will all be used for his purposes yeah yeah so
0: well i think with that we'll wrap this thing up we appreciate those who listen um we would love if you reached out to us. You can reach out to me via email and, uh, and just sub- suggest maybe some subjects that we can cover, maybe some, maybe some things, pro-life ministry issues or whatever that you would you know, have questions about and you want us to talk through. We'd love to do that. My email is dparks at citiesforlife.com. Vicki is vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. You can connect with us on our website, charlotte.citiesforlife.org. And our sidewalk counseling training website is uh, www.sidewalks4life.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. We appreciate those who listen. And uh, hope that you had a blessed Christmas. And we will talk to you in the new year. Give me an outlet for love Give me an outlet for gratitude